funerals. That was it. Um, when my brother, um, when I got old enough, and my brother, you know, sometimes he would take me to church. He married into a Catholic family, and so on rare occasion, maybe Easter or something like that, they would, you know, invite me to go to church, and for some strange reason, I might go. Um, but it was very, very rare. But yet, uh, I can remember as a very, very small child going to a, I remember this because it was, it was a tent meeting in Victoria. It was very cold. It was wet. And I remember being a very small child and listening to the preaching of the gospel. And that's probably my most vivid memory of being in church. And I can't tell you what I got out of that, except I, I did hear, and I did come to understand, there is a man named Jesus, and his desire is to save me, and, and, and according to this man, I cannot save myself. And you know, that, that was just a memory tucked away somewhere in the recesses of my mind for years and years that I never even accessed. Um, but yet, uh, when, I, when I was born again, when I got saved, God brought that memory to, back to me. And today I can still, I can close my eyes. I don't have to close my eyes. I can, I can see the mud and the straw. They had, they had hay on the floor in that tent. And it was cold and muddy. And they put hay in there to, so you didn't get mud all over your feet. It was just one of those old-fashioned outdoor tent meetings. Um, and it's funny, as a very small child, I can't even remember how old I was, yet I remember that experience and I remember it was the preaching of the gospel and what part did that play in my salvation I have no idea but for some reason God has allowed me to to keep the memory of that and I'm saying we don't know what day what service what environment our children or somebody's else child someone else's child will hear something will experience something that may seem so mundane and so trivial to us, so in the ordinary, but to that child, to that person, it is something that, that marks them, that, that God puts an imprint in their mind. And this is why we do Family Weekend. This is why we want to encourage children to be able to come in and be a part with everybody so that they don't grow up thinking that they have their church Big people have their church. And then one day we put them all, we throw them all together and they don't know what to do with it because they've never had to interact in this environment. You know, I have this firm belief that what we've done in America is a huge disservice. It's called dumbing down. We have dumbed down everything. And we, we as preachers have bought into this this thing that's come over the last four or five decades that somehow we've got to dumb everything down for people because the gospel is, is too above them. It's too this, it's too that, so we're going to dumb down the message. And we dumb it down to our adults, we dumb it down to our children, but yet the scripture says the gospel. See, if I do that, then what I'm really saying that I believe is that the gospel is a natural message. 
It's something that man created. If the gospel is truly what the scripture says it is, if it is truly the power of God unto salvation, if I do anything other than present it as, as what it is in its purest form, then I am saying it is not sufficient. That God, what God gave us is not enough. The gospel he gave us is, is not enough. I've got to modify it. I've got to do something to, to help people get it. That is wrong. Because you won't get the gospel. I didn't get the gospel through this carnal mind. I get it by revelation of the Spirit. And God knows how to bring that. Whether we're three years old, 30 years old, or 103 years old. It doesn't matter. God knows how to bring a revelation of his gospel to us. And so we preach the gospel to young and to old. It doesn't matter because it is the gospel and only the gospel that will save us. Amen? All right. Let's go. That was a long introduction, wasn't it? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're talking about the church. Today I'm not going to get into a lot of specifics about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, Really, I'm going to do kind of an overview, but, but we're talking about the church, the body of Christ, and we talked about the function, the functioning of the body last week. We're called to a body, and a body is created to function, right? Today, we're going to talk about three specific things, function, love, and desire. And I'm going to get, kind of give you an overview of these, these today, so I want you to hang with me, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by, your translation, instead of saying by, it may say in or with there. Uh, without getting into you know, a bunch of theological gobbledygook, the reality is by, with, or in, it all means the same thing. There is no difference there. That word in the Greek actually means in as much as it means by. For in or by one spirit, we were all, can we say all? We were all baptized into one body. How were we baptized into the body? By, in, or with the spirit. Can we all agree that if I do not have the spirit, I cannot be a part of the body? That's right. Because if I do not have the spirit, and I'm talking about the spirit of God, If I am born again, I have the Spirit of God. If I'm saved, I have the Spirit of God. Period. End. I don't have part of the Spirit. I have the Spirit. God will not divide His Spirit any more than He will divide His body, any more than the Scripture says. Paul says, is Christ divided? And the answer is, no, He is not. So in, by, with, one Spirit. We were all All who are in Christ, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we are of one spirit. And we are in one body. Amen? All right. So, I want to ask you three questions. I want to get that all out right up front. I want you to understand we are a unity. We're under one head, Christ. There's the life, the life that is in us, the life that is in the body is of one spirit. It is the spirit of God. 
And I want to ask you three questions. They're on your, they're on your message guide there. The first is this, do you make time throughout your day to listen for God? Now, I'm, I'm asking these questions, but can I just say this? I, please don't, I, I am, if anybody, you guys know me, I am not a legalistic person. I hate legalism. I don't think people should do things out of legalism. I don't think you should do things because you're guilted into doing them. But these are three legitimate questions, and these are questions that we need to ask ourselves. Not so we can heap guilt and condemnation on ourselves, but, but we just need to ask ourselves these questions because, because we're going to talk today about the functioning of the body. And, and there's a reason why I believe these are important questions. Do you make time throughout your day to listen for God? Number two, do you make a practice of unconditionally listening for what God desires to reveal to you. And I'm going to expound on these three a little bit later. And the third is this. Do you consider your ways in your relationship with God? Are you motivated by your desire or are you motivated by God's desire? So three questions. I I did a message guide for you this week because I want you to have these and I want you to ponder these. I want you to meditate on the things we're going to talk about this week. So here's a statement. And I believe it's a true statement. God's greatest desire for us is that we have our greatest desire in Him. I'm going to say that again. God's greatest desire for us is that we have our greatest desire in Him. Your greatest desire cannot be in the person of God if it is not also in the people of God. I cannot say, John says it like this in 1 John, you can't say you love God if you hate your brother. Now, no one here today would say they hate their brother. But, you know, it's kind of like, you ever ever heard the the old saying, talk is cheap? God is not really interested in what's coming out of our mouth if our life is not going to be consistent with it because it doesn't mean anything. Have you ever noticed that people in your life don't really care so much about what you say if what you do doesn't somehow agree with that? Right? So... If I love God, if I love the person of God, then I've got to love the people of God who are His body. We are the body of Christ. I must love you if I love God because you are His body. I can't just say I love God but not really love you. If, if, if that's true, then I've got a problem. And I need to consider my ways. Is one thing I need to do. Paul addresses this. We're in the book of Corinthians. Paul addresses this very thing in Corinthians. If you, if you were to read the entire book of, of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, you'll see that, that Paul, this entire book, deals with how the body is functioning together. And everything he talks about, the sin that exists in that body that, that, was, that was unrepentant and not dealt with, the disorder 
the things that were out of order when they came together to take the Lord's Supper, spiritual giftings, what was happening there, his whole discourse on love, his whole discourse, and then in chapter 4, it all is dealing with this body, this church in this Greek city called Corinth. He said, you guys are not, you, you guys don't have it together. And so he said, this, this, this can't be, this must not be. Because if we are truly in Christ, and you truly profess to love Christ, then there's got to be, there's got to be love that you have, not just for Christ, but for one another. There's got to be a functioning, not just between you and God, but there's got to be a functioning throughout the body as we have been called individually members of one another. And he's talking about living the life of Christ together. Do you know that we do not have the life of Christ apart from one another? See, there is something, and I can't put my finger on it, I won't be able to express it in words today, but there's something so ingrained, so inherent in our culture, in our society, we really do not get the revelation that we are not only in Christ, but that we are members of one another. We just don't get that. And there's something about our culture that, that if, for lack of a better term, that breeds that in us. It, it's really part of the fall of nature is what it is. It, that is. That is the remnant of the sin nature. I don't have that nature anymore. I have the nature of Christ now. My sin nature has been crucified, but in my mind, I still have that way of thinking. I still have those neurons firing in my brain, when, you know, and up here in this brain that, that wants me to think that way, that wants me to operate that way. And it's so contrary to Christ and who Christ is. And so, what do we, what, what do, we do then? We... We get our minds renewed. How do we do that? Through the correction of the word. Paul is bringing correction here. He's not mad. He's not punishing them. He is correcting them. Why? Because he understands how the body must function. He, mu he understands what needs to go on between the members of the body. He understands that if they do not understand, if they do not comprehend the importance, if they don't see the absolute importance of experiencing and participating in life, in the life of the body, then, then they're not going to get it. And if they don't get it, if the body doesn't get it, if the church doesn't get it, how is the world? You see where this is going? If we don't get it, how is the world going to get it? If we've been brought into Christ, if we profess to be Christians and we don't get it, how can we expect the world to get it? And Paul understands very clearly that if the church isn't getting it, the world's not going to get it. Because the church is put here to be a witness to the world. The church is put here to be the manifestation and the expression of Christ in the earth. Jesus is not walking the earth anymore the way he did before the cross. He told them very clearly, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send my spirit. The spirit is with you now because I'm with you, but he's going to be in you then. And you will be my body in the earth. You will be the Jesus people see. 
You will be the expression of my life that people will come to know. And so Paul, in all of his letters, is writing to the church. This question came up in our Bible study today. Did, did he write Galatians to the church? He wrote every one of his letters to the church. He didn't write them to unbelievers. Now, I'm not saying there weren't unbelievers. I believe there were probably unbelievers in every church that, that received a letter. And when those letters were read, there were unbelievers in there. But Paul was not writing to unbelievers. He was writing to the believers. Why? Because Paul understood if the believers don't get it, if the believers don't come in order, if the body is not set in order, if the house is not set in order, then how can we expect the world to get it? Because why? Because they're in darkness. They are blind. They cannot, not just will not, get this church, the world cannot understand what it is we're talking about today. They cannot. They can't. But we have the mind of Christ. We now have the Spirit of God. And we can. It has been revealed to us by His Spirit. And so Paul says, you guys, the world can't get it, but you guys can because you have the Spirit of God. And you not only can, but you must come to comprehend the magnitude of what I'm saying here because the world, the salvation of the world is tied to us as the church. Do you believe that? The salvation of the world is directly tied to our salvation and to our comprehension of that salvation. Why is that? Because that's what God purposed. That's what God purposed. Now, I'll tell you this, and God will, He will do what He is going to do. Say, well, Pastor Jeff, I mean, if I just sat down right here and said, that's it, I'm done. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to live out the rest of my life. I'm going to wait till I get to heaven one day, and I'm going to be a happy camper. But I'm done pastoring. I'm done ministering. I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm done. And I'm just going to live my life until I get to heaven. And then I'm going to enjoy heaven for eternity. You know, if I did that, I am not going to disrupt the purpose of God. I am not going to disrupt the will of God. If I could do that, I don't believe I could. But if I could do that, do you know that God will still, His will will still be done. His purpose will still be achieved. So however you want to look at this, my point is this, church. We have been made a part of something wonderful. And what God has privileged us to be a part of is, is, is more amazing than we could ever comprehend. So your greatest desire cannot be for the person of God if it's not also in the people of God. It can't be in him if it's not in his body. Ephesians 6.29, how do we know this is true? Paul in Ephesians 6, he talks about marriage. But he's not talking about marriage just because he's doing a marriage seminar. It does apply very practically, husbands and wives. Very practically. But here... What the Spirit of God is speaking. He is talking about the church. Let's just turn over there. Ephesians 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You know, here's the part of Scripture every woman hates to hear. Not all of you, I know. But the world, you know the world cringes. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. I'm telling you, the world cringes at that. They think we are so antiquated. We are so primitive. We are so 
not with it. How dare us even utter those words. We are living in the 21st century. Nobody believes that anymore. Really? God does. But, husbands and wives, do you understand why God said what he said? Do you understand that God is not giving husbands a reason to abuse their wives, to take advantage of their wives? He's not submitting you wives to a life of misery under the cruel thumb of your husband. See, Paul is not giving a marriage seminar here. He's giving us a revelation of the church. How do we know that? Because he tells us. Let Scripture be the interpretation of Scripture, okay? Let's just go on down for verse, verse 29. Why must we love the body of Christ if we say we love God? If we love Christ, why must we love the body of Christ? I'll tell you why. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. I'll go on. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know where that was stated first? That was the first prophecy recorded in the scripture. You know who prophesied that? Adam. When he saw Eve. Where did Eve come from? From his side. There is Adam, a type of Christ. There is Eve. A type of the church. When Adam sees Eve, he says, She is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The two shall be joined together and become how many? One flesh. Then Paul says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. If I do not have love for the body, if I say I only love Christ, but I could care less about the people of God, it's impossible. Because no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes. I only have the illusion I'm deceived. Just like Paul says, you husbands, you cannot love your wives if you do not truly love them as much as you love yourself. And cherish them like you cherish yourself. And nourish them like you nourish yourself. You can't do it. It's not love. So your desire, your desire determines what you seek. You believe that? Your desire determines what you seek. If I desire God, I'm going to seek God. If I desire to love Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, then I must love all of Him. Not just the head, but everything. I cannot love God and not love you. I can't love myself and not truly love my wife. Love has got to extend beyond. Love is not just a two-way thing here with me and God. Because God is bigger. Remember, we weren't saved as individuals. We were saved as a body. Jesus didn't save individuals. He saved individuals to make a church he didn't save individuals for the sake of individuals he saved us because he promised and proclaimed he would build 
his church, which is his body. Your desire determines what you seek. If you desire him, you'll seek him. If you seek him, guess what? You'll find him. How do we know? Because the scripture says. So, 1 Chronicles 16.10 says, Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Jeremiah 29.13 God declares, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Your desire determines what you seek. Do you believe that? If you desire riches, you're going to seek riches. If you desire God, you're going to seek God. Now, because we've dumbed down the gospel here in America, we want to convince people that it's okay to seek all these other things as long as I say I love God. You get get me? I know this is a hard message. But I'm telling you what. As we used to say, it's time to fish or cut bait. I mean, what are we going to do? We are the church. We are the redeemed of the Lord. People's lives are at stake. I don't understand how all that works out. But I know God has commanded us to preach the gospel. And I know they can't hear unless someone preaches it. They can't believe unless they hear. So we're commanded. And if you guys, if me, if I can't get the gospel, if I don't understand the gospel, if I don't understand what's going on, then how do I expect the world to? Can't do it. And if I'm not preaching the gospel, then I'm preaching something else that has absolutely no power to save. And why do I want to preach a message that has no power to save? Amen? When, you, when your desire, listen, when your desire is defined by all your heart. Remember what Jeremiah said? You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When will we seek and find God? When we go after him with what? All our heart. So when your desire is defined by all your heart, you will keep seeking him. And guess what? You will keep finding him. God is not someone we find once, been there, done that, got the t-shirt to prove it. I got a drawer full of Christian t-shirts. Hardly even wear them anymore. God is not someone we seek and find once in our life. He is the infinite God. As much as you want to seek him, you will find him. And you will never see the same side of him twice. You will never experience something in God that is boring and repetitive and, oh man, I'm just so tired of God. If that's our attitude, we're tired of something, but it's not God, I promise you that. If that's our attitude, then what we have found is not God. We might have found what man says is God. We might have found an image that man made of God. We might have found an image that we've made of God. But whatever we have found, it's an idol. It's not the true and living God. It's not. I can say that with not one shred or shadow of doubt in my mind. It is impossible 
to become bored with God. Bored is not a word that defines him. It's not part of who he is. And Christian, I'm going to tell you, if you are bored with God today, then consider your ways. Make some time to hear from God. Come to Him without condition and listen to what He wants to say to you. Your desire determines what you seek. Your desire also determines what you see. Amen? Desire, listen, desire is an issue of the heart. So what I love is what I desire. What I desire is what I seek to see. And that is what I will ultimately come to know. It is. Your desire not only determines what you seek, it's going to determine what you see. Because that's what's going to determine what you go after in life. If you go after anything but God, even if you want to say, well, I'm going to go after God with part of this, but I'm, you know, nope, can't do that. God's not interested in having a divided attention, a divided audience. That's why the scripture says he's a jealous God. And that's not a, a, a mean or a cruel attribute. That's just who God is. He is very jealous. He wants all of you, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. So what I desire is what I seek to see, and that is ultimately what I come to know. Now listen, it is with our heart that we seek the Lord and find Him. We asked this question in the Not I But Christ Bible study. Now I want to ask you, maybe I've asked you before, my, you know, I'm getting older and my memory's not good, so if I repeat myself, then just trust it's the Spirit of God, okay? But here's a question I want to ask you. Have you ever heard a beautiful sunset? Have you ever heard a beautiful sunset? Anybody that's heard a beautiful sunset, raise your hand. Clint has. Okay, we'll pray for Clint later. Why don't you hear a beautiful sunset? Because your ear wasn't meant to hear a sunset, was it? You can hear beautiful music, you can see a beautiful sunset, but you can't hear a beautiful sunset because the ear is the wrong faculty for experiencing a sunset. It is with our heart. There's a reason why God says, with all your heart, seek me. He didn't even say with all your mind. Because I cannot with this mind comprehend God who is a spirit any more than my ear can hear a beautiful sunset. Me being frustrated because I can't understand God, because I can't comprehend God, It's just like me standing out there at my tank. I have beautiful sunsets. I do. You know, that's one thing about the property I live on. I I, I have really nice sunsets. I don't have any mountains. I don't have a lot of trees, but I do have nice sunsets. It'd be like me standing out there just being so frustrated. You say, Pastor Jeff, what's wrong with you? You seem so frustrated. I'm telling you what, I am very frustrated. Because I've been standing here for months No, not months. I'm telling you what, it's been going on years now. Day after day after day after day. And I am so frustrated with God. 
Why, Pastor Jeff? What's wrong? I've been out here trying to hear the sunset. And, and I've asked God, please God, let me hear the sunset. And I can't hear it. Well, you'd think I'm kind of wacky, wouldn't you? And rightly so. Because my ear was never meant to hear a sunset. And we get frustrated because we can't understand God, because we can't comprehend God, because we can't make God fit inside this brain of ours. We want to build boxes and make God fit in our boxes, and we get upset with God because He doesn't fit in our box. You might as well be out there trying to hear the sunset. It's never gonna happen. It's not with your mind that you comprehend God. It is with your heart that you discern Him. You're never going to see Him with your natural eyes until you see Him with the eyes of your heart. You're never going to hear Him with these natural ears until you hear Him with the ears of your heart. It is the heart. It's with our heart that we seek the Lord and find Him. It is with our heart that we see the Lord and know Him. So my question, where is the church that is seeking the Lord with all of her heart? Man, I run into plenty of people all the time who are frustrated with God because they don't understand Him. I run into people regularly who are questioning God and are upset and, and have separated from the body and this because something happened here and something happened there and I just don't understand this and I don't understand. That's a favorite word. It's a, it's a common recurring thing I hear. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Keep trying to hear the sunset. Just go ahead. Go ahead and keep trying to hear the sunset. That's all I have to say. You keep listening for the sunset. One day, you'll figure out you were never meant to hear the sunset. Open your eyes and see what God has put before you. Begin to seek after Him with all your heart. You guys ever remember being in, uh, now I know we've got the kids in here, and parents, I don't want to create any problems here. But for you, you that have been around for a little while, you, you ever remember being in grade school? And, uh, you know, have you ever, like, passed notes? You know, there's this girl you have a crush on, guys or girls. There's this guy that you got a crush on. And, and, and so, have you ever noticed that when, when you get into that type of uh, uh, thing going on in your life, do you, do you ever, have you, did you, I don't know about you, but the way it was with me, didn't reason just, like, go out the window? Now, I'm, I'm a, I'll, this was before I met my wife, but when I, when I moved to Austin to attend the University of Texas, I left, and, and there, was a, there was a girl that I liked back home. And so, of course, we were in love, you know, aren't we all? Weren't we all? We were in love, and, you know, uh, long-distance relationships don't work, but ours is going to. Right? And so we're madly in love, and I'm up there, and, and I'm, 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 I'm in school, and I'm doing my, you know, work, and I'm, I'm a really, I'm a diligent student. I wasn't the best student. It, you know, I didn't make straight A's, but I was serious about my stuff, and so, you know, but at the same time, I'm carrying on this relationship. Well, I couldn't drive down, you know, home every day, so, and we didn't have internet back then, and we didn't have cell phones back then. All we had was AT&T. 
And the funny thing is, you know, if you talk long enough on AT&T, you will run up a phone bill that is unbelievable. And you know, the whole time you're talking on AT&T to your honey, you're thinking the ticker is going. There was no free long distance plans back then. It was 25 cents a minute, honey. And the whole time you're talking, you know, it's, it's just the counter's going. And in my brain, I'm going, bro, you better get off this phone. Because you got to pay the phone bill at the end of the month. And you know you're not going to be able to pay it. But guess what my heart was saying? My heart just, just blocked off my mind right there. My heart said, talk to the hand. Shut up, mind. <laughs> and at the end of that month, I get a $400 plus phone bill. Now, some people said I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm going to tell you what. I never did that again. <laughs> and you know what? That long-distance relationship, <laughs> it just went away. It just did. What's my point? My point is this. We will let, we will with our heart pursue everything we can imagine in a worldly sense. But when it comes to God, we, we just flip right there. If I can't make God make sense up here, if I can't get God figured out up here, it's my mind talking to my heart, saying to my heart, shut up, talk to the hand. And we're trying to hear the sunset with our ear. We're trying to understand God with our mind. It's never going to happen. But when I get a revelation in my heart, when I realize there are eyes and there are ears besides these, these ears and these eyes that God has given me, they're not natural, they're spiritual. And they're found in my heart. When I allow God I can tell you right now, we're not going to get anywhere close to the message I'm going to, we're going to continue next week. But I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I'm not going to try to get it in in 10 minutes and everybody breathes a thick sigh of relief. But just hang on to your message, God. We're going to come back next week. There are eyes and ears in our heart, church, that can only be opened by God. Why did Jesus heal blind eyes? Now, I believe Jesus still heals blind eyes today. I believe Jesus still opens deaf ears today. But I'm going to tell you what, the greater message that Jesus was giving us was not, I'm a big enough God to heal physical blindness and physical deafness. The message God was giving us is this, you are blind and you are deaf and unless I open your eyes and open your ears, you will never see me and you will never hear me. And now God has opened our eyes and opened our ears by faith. And my question is, are we seeing him? Number one, are we looking for him? And number two, are we hearing him? Are we listening for him? 
Are we seeing him? And are we listening for him? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Paul says, for now, for now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. And I don't have time to go into this, but let me just tell you, the then, you read 1 Corinthians 13, and you read the context of that chapter. The then is not talking about the second coming of Jesus. He's talking about then, when you get a revelation of Christ in you. When that which is complete has come, when you get a complete revelation. Now, I'm never going to see all there is to see of God, but I can come to a place of revelation where I can, as John says in 1 John 4.16, I can come to a place of revelation in Christ where I no longer fear the judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we now in this world. That's what 1 John 4.16 says. In this love has been perfected. That in the day of judgment, we will have boldness and confidence. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. If I don't have a revelation of Christ and what Christ has done in saving me, I will not have boldness and confidence. I will be fearful. And what was perfected in this? Love is perfected in this. Fear involves torment, but perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not fearful anymore. Why? Because I understand God loves me perfectly. He loves me completely. And I didn't save myself. He saved me. I'm not saved because I deserve to be saved. I'm saved because he loved me. And his complete love is what saved me. Paul says, you Corinthians... Have dim eyesight. You are only knowing and comprehending in part because you're not seeing properly. Because you're looking with the wrong eyes. You're hearing with the wrong ears. But when that which is perfect, when the complete love, what's he talking about? Love. When you get a revelation of God's complete love, when that which is perfect has come, you will put away childish things. You're not going to be dividing. You're not going to be fussing. You're not going to be fighting. You're not going to be jealous. You're going to put away childish things. Flip over there. You're right there. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. When the revelation, when God opens my eyes to his perfect love, now I know in part. But then, when I get a revelation of his perfect love, I shall know just as I also am known. We can have, that's what I'm saying, church, we can have a revelation of Christ that will deliver us from fear. We can have a revelation of Christ that will give us A comprehension, a growing comprehension of what it means to be in the body. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Why does Paul keep talking about a mirror? Who do you see in a mirror? You see your own reflection, right? But Paul is saying, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, 
the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Why? Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. He's saying, can you see Christ? Can you see Christ in you? If he's in you, we should be able to see him. If he's in you and you are not seeing him, then you're not seeing clearly. And you're not seeing clearly because you're trying to hear the sunset. You're trying to figure things out and understand things with the wrong faculty. Let God open your spiritual eyes. Let God open your spiritual ears. And then you will know the complete love of God. Then you will see Him face to face. And you will know who you are the way God knows you right now. How does God know us right now? How does God see you right now, believer? He sees you in His Son. If you don't understand what Jesus Christ did for you on that cross, you will not see yourself the same way God the Father sees you. And this is what Paul says here. It's why he says that we would know even as I also am known. Now abide faith, hope, and love in the greatest of these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, I'm going to stop right there. But I really, really want to encourage you to come back next week. Because we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to talk about what it means to function in the body. But here's the thing, church. And the reason I'm going very slow and the reason I'm talking so much today about desire and you seek what you desire, and you see what you desire. See, we want to, here's my experience as a pastor, because you guys might not, but I, I hear a lot of people come to me, they complain about all kinds of things. And here's one of the things that, that people complain about sometimes. And it seems to me that people want to trip into church Here's my phrase for it, and excuse me if this sounds rude to you, but it's what I call it. People want to trip into church and they want to have a dog and pony show. It's like coming to the circus. I, I got my ticket, I'm going to come to the circus, I'm going to sit in the sand, stands and I'm going to watch the three ring, ring circus and I'm going to be entertained. See, then we want to go back out. I'm going to use a word, it's okay because it's in the Bible. Then we're going to go back out and live like hell. But we want to come every week and have our dog and pony show and believe that we've experienced the presence of God. Why? Because we had a dog and pony show here? See, if you think you're going to experience the presence of God because you came into this building, you don't have a clue what the presence of God is. You don't know where the presence of God abides. You don't understand that you're living in the presence of God. The presence of God it doesn't have anything to do with what happens or doesn't happen in this building. But it has everything to do with what eyes you are seeing with, what ears you are hearing with. And are we coming, assembling together to have a dog and pony show? Or are we assembling together to function together as the body of Christ? That if I am making time, if I understand the importance of hearing from God, not for two hours telling God everything I need to tell Him as if He doesn't already know. 
If I don't comprehend the importance of hearing from God, how am I going to hear from God what He might want me to say to you? How are you going to hear from God so that you can hear what God wants you to say to someone else? It's the Spirit of God that does this. But the Spirit of God is calling us to a place where we are vessels that can be used by Him. And how am I going to seek Him and how am I going to find Him when I seek Him and find Him with all of my heart? When I search for Him with all of my heart? God wants all your heart. This isn't a work that you're doing to try to merit favor with God. This is just reality, church. It's reality. It's reality. See, we, we read the Bible, we make everything conditional. I read this Bible and I make everything conditional. You know, well, if I do this, God's going to do this for me. If I believe this, then this is going to happen to me. If I, if I keep it in line here, then this is, it's, it, you know, we take the Scripture and we make everything conditional. I'm going to tell you what, the Scripture is nothing more than just, it's just stating reality. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have eternal life. You're going to die. Throughout eternity, you're going to be in death if you don't have Jesus. He's just simply stating a fact. Don't take that and mean that. Don't, don't, don't infer that God is mean or God hates you. Or No, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. If I can't hear from God, how am I going to function in the body? To give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a prophecy, a word of encouragement. If, I, if I'm not hearing from God, how am I going to impart anything to you? Why is there, an, there, why is there this unspoken expectation that I'm the pastor and the preacher and I better be spending time hearing from God? Because I've got to deliver the mail every Sunday. Well, well what about us? Maybe God wants you to deliver the mail to the person sitting next to you. Maybe God wants you to deliver the mail to the person on the other side of the building. The question is, are you hearing? <laughs> are you listening? Or are we coming here to have a dog and pony show? And when we get tired of this circus, we'll go to a bigger tent for a bigger circus that has better popcorn and better cat and candy. And the elephants smell better. And the clowns make me laugh more. Is this what we have reduced church to? Ha. It's what we have, but it's not what Jesus died for. It's not what he died for. So when is that going to stop being what church is to us? I'll tell you when. When our eyes begin to see and our ears begin to hear. Not from up here, but from right here. When I stop and be quiet... And unconditionally come before God and listen to what He desires to say. When I consider my ways and say, you know what, it's not about me, it's about Him. And if it's about Him, then it's about all of you. The cross is the epitome. It hangs. It hangs as the centerpiece of all creation, old and new, it hangs as the centerpiece. It divides everything. And it is God's centerpiece that speaks of the utter 
selflessness of God. And the cross hangs to contrast the selflessness of God with the selfishness of man. And we want to cover the cross, we want to dress the cross up and make it something that it's not, and we cannot do that. Can't do it. So church, I'm going to stop right there. Aren't you glad? And I want to pray. There's some people here that need prayer. But having said that, I want to encourage you. Now you can come back next week for a dog and pony show. You won't get it. Because I'm not interested in shows. But what I do desire and what I believe God desires is a people that desire Him with all of their heart. Who are serious about participating in and being a part of the body and the life of Christ. And who are beginning to understand that our relationships with each other matter. If my relationship with God matters. And that I have a function and a place that's not determined by me or, or, or anybody else except God. And I'll never know that. I'll never operate in that. I'll never be able to experience the joy of that if I'm not letting God speak to me. Because I can talk to you all day long, but I'm going to tell you what, the Spirit of God is what's going to make the difference. I can give you the truth, but I can't do anything. I have no power to do anything, only God does. And my words are only powerful in that you allow them to penetrate your heart and you allow the Spirit of God to do something with the truth, with the seed that's been planted there. Let's all stand. Function, love, and desire. That was my intro. We haven't got to function yet, but we're going to get to that next week, okay? Praise I'm excited. I want you guys to be excited. I want you to come. All right? I'm so sad the kids won't get to be here next weekend, but we'll give you a good report, okay? All right. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. And if you desire prayer today, healing in your body, you got any kind of need going on, and don't judge how big or how small it is. If it's concerning you, it's concerning God. You're invited to come. We want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Jeff, you know, I, I want to give my life to Jesus, you come up here and, and, and you give your life to Jesus, and let's go through the Scripture. And let's talk about that. Amen? We're going to plan a baptismal service here as soon as it warms up a little bit. And I've had some people asking about baptism. And we'll, uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have that out where you can sign up for that. That'll be coming up. You know, if you've given your life to Christ but you've never been water baptized, you need to be baptized. Amen. Next weekend will be the first weekend of the month. And so we'll have communion um, all together. So I just come prepared. Amen? Spend some time this week. Take this message, God. Don't lose it. Bring it back next week because it's what we're going to use. But Father, I just thank you right now.